Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. NBA Finals tied at one game apiece, heading back to Golden State. BJ, let's jump right into it. A tremendous game two in Toronto. Warriors tied at one. Where are you with what you saw in game two? How are you feeling about the champs right now? I think you said it, Eric, right there. They are the champs. And this team has an incredible amount of basketball integrity. They're a mentally tough group. And... uh, their persistence to figure out game in and game out how to win games and overcome adversity has been something to really admire from afar. And this team, they have every excuse now to not win these games due to injuries and all the other things they have going on around with their team and their physical health. But somehow, some way, they find a way not only to compete, but win games when it looks on paper that they shouldn't. The world was saying... Don't play DeMarcus Cousins. He's only going to hurt you. The world is saying maybe it's the Toronto Raptors' time. You watch the first half of that game, and the Warriors looked lost in the second quarter at times. They looked confused. They didn't look connected. But somehow they whittled that thing down to five, and you just had this feeling There was a third quarter storm coming before we delve into that big run. Where were you in the first half of that game last night? Were you concerned or were you just waiting for the tide to change? Well, the first five minutes of the game I thought were very telling of the the game plan of the Raptors. They came right out of the gate at DeMarcus Cousins. He was involved in every defensive play. Um, from the Raptors. You know, the Raptors came out. Every, they included DeMarcus Cousins in every every defensive play that they could possibly put him in. And he, he picked up. Every action possible. Yeah. Every that, action that, possible. They, that yep. was the first. So that was very telling. He picked up two quick fouls, and, somehow, and to his credit, he gathered himself, and he was able to find a little rhythm, you, if you will, in other parts of the game, uh, which was, was great for the Warriors. I was very concerned that this game was going to get away from the Warriors because of the Warriors' inability in game one to take away the transition and the the body activity of the Toronto Raptors. They were down 12 points, Eric. I thought one of the – it was two key moments of the game, but one of the – the first critical moment was the Warriors were down 12 points in the second quarter. That was a very – key moment for them because that game could have easily gotten away from them and if it would have got up to 15 or 20 
I thought that would have been kind of the end of the series because then you start wondering, well, we made our adjustments, we did everything we could, and we just couldn't beat that team. Instead of going up 15 or 20, which the Raptors had every opportunity, they had opportunities to do it. They couldn't make shots last night. The Warriors were able to absorb that and not only cut the lead down, they stopped the momentum. And instead of going down by double whoa, whoa, digits, whoa. and let's not let, and let's not undersell it, yeah. they halted the momentum. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they, they they took the crowd out, they took the Raptors' spirit away. They, I mean, I mean they did was, a good job. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, instead of being down double digits going going into halftime, they were down five, and I thought to myself, that's that's not a good sign for the for the Raptors, which clearly that momentum carried over into the third quarter which they went on like an 18-0 run to start the third quarter so when you have these moments which is a learning opportunity for the Raptors when you have these moments to knock someone out and you have them on the ropes you got to knock them out especially in in, with the champ the champ you got to put him on the you got to put him on the on the canvas and um, they had an opportunity and in spite of all of that Eric in spite of all of the things we're saying what the Raptors didn't do in game two or what they did do they had an opportunity to win that game last night, and that's that's very encouraging for them. So, um, you know, the Warriors played well. The Warriors needed contributions from their entire team, which they got. I mean, it was a beautifully played game as far as team concept. I mean, I think they assisted on every basket well, in the it, second that's half. That's what I wanted to get yeah, I mean, to. Which was to great. Get to. They, they, cut, they come out of the, the halftime with an 18-0 run, and then they – assist on 22 of 22 baskets made so before we get into the beauty of that knowing what you know from your experience from the personas of the warriors from coach kerr what was halftime like what do you think the message was at halftime of game two which of course then turned into the 18-0 run and the 22 of 22 assisted. Well, the thing that that Steve does so well, um, Steve coaches like one of the 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 old timers. You know, he's he's like a throwback coach um, in this regard. He doesn't coach his philosophy. He doesn't coach his game plan. He actually coaches the game. And when you coach the game, it requires something from your team. You know, they have to give you the effort and the energy. Okay, you know, Steve looked at that game in the first half and they are just trying to do two things. They're trying to cut down on the transition baskets of the Raptors. And he's trying to have his team play with minimum mistakes, meaning, you know, I think they had like 16 or 17 turnovers in the, in the, in the first game. Right now. Okay, so. Those were correctable things that the Warriors could do <laughs> and, 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 and which he came out and did it. So how can you stop another team from getting transition baskets, right? You got three ways to do it. One, you got to get to the free throw line because if you're shooting free throws, okay, the team can't get out and run transition because, you know, you're going to shoot free throws and they're a pretty good free throw shooting team. So you're always going to play five against five. Check. They went twenty. Check. They went twenty of twenty-three okay. at the line. Second, number you, two. You have to cut down on your transition. You have to. Cut, I'm sorry. 
Second, you have to cut down on your turnovers because, you know, defense goes into offense. So if you cut down on your turnovers, you minimize their opportunity to get out and play advantage basketball, three on two, two on one, and so forth. Okay. So the Warriors, I don't know where their turnovers were last night. They, they actually had 15 turnovers versus 16 in game one. <clears throat> but because of how efficiently they played team offense, which I'm sure you're getting to next, combined with the fact that Toronto shot 37 from the floor and a ice-cold 29% from three, I think those things all play into the point you're making about transition opportunities yeah. on both ends. All right, so they, they cut down that. And then and the third way you do it is you try to offensive rebound. And so it, you when you look at what the Warriors did, they they really cut down – cut down the ability for that team, when I say that team, the Raptors, to get out and play in transition. And they wanted to – and that's the way to control the tempo of the game. The Warriors brought the fight to the game, which that was the – that was really key in the first quarter. They brought the fight. They, you know, and all of the things. Now, going back to your initial question, what does that mean at halftime? At halftime, Steve Kerr, like all great coaches, they said it's not enough for us to get shots – in the second half, we have to get our key guy shots. And our key guys are going to be Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were involved in every play, in every play call that Steve Kerr called after halftime. To me, that was the sign of a great coach. And that's the sign of a great team, right? You can have these weapons, but he played through his players. And he did yep. something that was very unique. He did something that was really unique. Is he made Steph Curry a screener last night? Yep. And Steph Curry, Steph Curry, when he screens, now that's what created all of the backdoor opportunities that you saw when they were playing on the weak side. And uh, I thought that was a great adjustment by Steve. Now, I now that the Raptors have seen that, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to adjust as well. Curry occupying his man and the man he's screening. We saw the breakdowns numerous times. It, it worked like YMCA clockwork. The back cuts, <laughs> the spacing. And BJ, not only did they have 22 assists on 22 made field goals in the second half, they had 42 assists for the game. So the you know we call it the beautiful game. We call it for the Warriors' strength and numbers. Uh, last night was an unbelievable example, and you talk about playing through your stars. You play through your stars, but then DeMarcus, Quinn Cook, and Iggy have the opportunity to make big shots because of the attention drawn by Steph and Clay. and Draymond comes up one assist short of a triple-double last night, going for uh, 17, 10, and 9. And all of a sudden, this team has that swag back, and... Again, I, I can't state enough how inspiring the player movement, the ball movement is. And obviously, I've mentioned it on the show many times, the opportunity I had last year to tell DeMarcus Cousins' story of his comeback, free agency, and his journey. To see him back on the floor when everyone had counted him out after another injury, to have a double-double, and many thought he was, you know, one of the keys to victory last night. I, I, it's just real, really inspiring stuff in the NBA Finals. What, what did you make of DeMarcus's minutes and the noticeable improvement 
and rhythm compared to game one? Well, you know, desperate times, you know, you got to take des- desperate measurements. And DeMarcus met that challenge last night. None of us know wh- really where DeMarcus's body is at. Uh, at times last night, I thought he looked uh, a little out of rhythm, but the mental capacity to absorb that and fight through fatigue, that, that's really tough to do. So I, I give him all the credit for being able to fight because there's no way for him to be in game condition. So the fact that he was able to give 28 minutes when you know there's no way for him to get to that number uh, speaks about where he's at uh, and what he's really all about as a player. Now, in saying that, um, I'm concerned about as this series goes on. You know, if you've heard me say many times, Eric, if you're going to beat the Warriors, you're going to have to get to game five, six, and seven. You know, currently now they are at game five. And the longer this series goes, and in – in particular now with the Warriors, because they're they're just down. Like, I mean, you know, they could be down two more guys tomorrow with Looney and and Clay's or hamstring. Or not tomorrow, is, but yeah, Clay's hamstring. We know how hamstrings are. You know, you got Durant coming off. You got Boogie coming off. The, I mean, these guys are piling Looney, up the Looney went down. Looney yeah, went down. That's I mean, what I'm saying. I, Andre Iguodala. Like so, so as we – the yep. longer we go here – the you know and as i've said because they have a thin bench already now the bench was great last night they played well they did some some very creative things uh but it's going to be tough and, and there's nowhere around it um we're hoping that boogie is able to play 20 28 minutes but i don't think anyone boogie including boogie expected to play 28 minutes last night i mean, I no. mean I, I, especially after the first two you know when he went out of the game you're like okay well, you know, he's and, given and, you everything he has, but, you know, we don't know where that's at. But, like I said... And I got to um, tell you, BJ, I think he could have played more minutes. That third foul call on him was terrible. Well, I... They, I, I, they, I, they, called, him, they called him for a block on Lowry. Lowry was literally dribbling at the camera guys on the baseline. Well, you, and Boogie was keeping that cushion. That was his third. They pulled him. They called him for a ticky-tack fourth. Credit Kerr with keeping him in the game, but... Yeah, he played almost 30 minutes. You know, and I- you know, Eric, one of the funny things about last night, which I thought was Steve Kerr, he gets his second foul, right, early in the first quarter. And Steve Kerr left mm-hmm. him in the game. Because Steve Actually. wasn't concerned. Steve wasn't concerned about him playing more than 20 minutes. So he was like, right. what do I have to save at this point? This is what I'm saying. This was like found gold. Like, he wasn't yep. expecting yep. this. Boogie wasn't expecting. Just give me what you got, big fella, and we'll roll with it. Now, yep. again, you know, you, you, that's why you play the game because you never know what can happen. And lo and behold, Boogie comes up with a big game and a big moment. So, you know, give him credit. Uh, but now game three is coming, and, and let, let's see what game three holds. So we pivot to Oracle. Obviously, the, the famous saying goes, role players specifically play better at home. So... I'm sure all the Warriors players from Steph all the way down through the end of that bench are looking forward to some of that home cooking. <clears throat> Before we talk about the Warriors, Siakam, Lowry, Abaka, Gasol, Kawhi obviously quiet, much quieter in game two than we're used to. What about the Raptors and their makeup is key for game three because you know they're walking into a storm in that building. These two teams both – aren't concerned about offense. Now, the Warriors get a lot of 
accolades and a lot of attention for what they do on the offensive end. This is a defensive team, the Warriors. Yep. Now, you look at the Raptors. The Raptors, they're doing a terrific job. I mean, they're, they're doing a terrific job on the defensive end. They feel, and not only do they feel, I, I agree with them, they can defend the Warriors in the half court. Five against five, they do a really good job. They, they, and they know that. I have one concern for the Raptors. Can they score enough points? Can they score enough points? Because not only, I mean, their defense, they're playing well enough on the defensive end, even in last game, to win that game. Offensively, can they score enough points, though? That's the key. If they're making shots and they're out in transition and they're moving the ball and doing things, and they are a very, very tough team because they can defend. They have proven all year that they are a really good defensive team. They defend not only individually well, they defend as a group well. So I have one question. Can they get out and score enough points? Because if they can score over 105 points a game, they can win this series. But they're going to have to constantly so, do this, uh, and and so last you, game. So you think? So you think? You think one hundred five is that line? I think one hundred five is one hundred five. So you know, I think the Warriors have scored like a hundred and eight or nine points in the in the last two games. <clears throat> if, okay. So can so can Toronto do that in one of these two on the road? Well, I I think they're going to have to find when you score that puts that allows you to defend five against five. They didn't shoot the ball well. So when you don't shoot the ball well, the other team gets out in transition and you're playing advantage basketball. Yep. Okay, so making baskets or getting to the free throw line like the Warriors did allows you to stabilize the game. And you have to force the Warriors to play five versus five. You can't defend Steph Curry in transition. You can't defend Klay Thompson in transition. Okay, because these guys are very unique players in the sense that a, a bad shot for you and I, Eric, is a good shot for them. And and they consistently have shown that they deserve the freedom to be able to play off of one pass because they shoot the ball with such exceptional accuracy that they sure. they have to they, they they're playing a different game than the rest of us. But when you're playing against five versus five, that puts pressure on you which you saw in game one where those guys, it's harder to play five versus five than playing, you know, four against three or three against two or and, playing out in and transition the, and all those things. And the continued improvement of Cousins can help in those five-on-five five situations, obviously, because of post-presence. And then, of course, we would be foolish not to mention and discuss whether or not Kevin Durant will take the floor. If Durant is right on that line of, I can try going in game three, but two more days would really help, I think. Are you testing the waters with Durant in game three, or are you holding till game four? The, the Warriors don't really need Kevin Durant to come out and be a 30-point scorer for them to win this series. They've already proven that they can win uh, with without him on the road which is a which is a that's a huge accomplishment where they where they need Kevin Durant they need enough active bodies defensively because they don't they're they're down bodies now okay Kevin Looney was going to take his turn at Kawhi Leonard Clay Thompson was going to take his turn at Kawhi Leonard Draymond Green can't guard everybody 
Okay, he can't guard everybody. Now he, he can guard Kawhi. Yeah, he can guard Played Kawhi Leonard. Uh, yeah, yep. he guard Siakam. It's, it's tough. So again, this is a defensive or this is a defensive oriented team. They need enough bodies to match up because those young bodies of Toronto they will make they will make some mistakes, but they're active enough where you got to keep bodies on them. And Kawhi Leonard and Siakam will be ready to go in Game Three. And now who's going to match up? And I think that's where they miss Kevin Durant. They just need enough bodies to allow them to do what they do. I mean, Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. Draymond has consistently been Draymond throughout the entire playoffs. So now can they get enough stops and match up where they can at least give themselves an opportunity to win because they're down bodies. Andre Iguodala, is, he's banged up. You know, I don't know how effective he can be right now uh, for more effective enough minutes. to bury daggers, my friend. Yeah, well, you effective know. enough to bury daggers. Yeah, but so there's I'm a reason putting, he's I'm open. Putting, I mean, he's open for a reason. That's fair. Yeah, he's open. That's for a fair. Reason. Well, he's open for that reason, and he's open because Toronto couldn't decide if they wanted a foul or not, and then the ball got to Steph, and chaos ensued. So, um, that was a very, very interesting uh, moment at the end of the game, and. I, you know, I love when people say, oh, Toronto blew it. They should have fouled. Like, Toronto blew it when they got their doors blown off coming out of halftime on an 18-0 run. That's where they blew it. Um, so, you know the stakes. You know the environment. You know the players. I'm putting you on the spot. Game three at Oracle. The fans sense it. They know at max there's only three games left in that building. Who captures game three to take the two-to-one edge? Well, I, I, I like the Raptors coming into game three. I really, I, I, I like the Raptors. Um, you know, I, I thought this, look, an experienced team I thought would have probably handled that second quarter a little different, but I think they will learn. You know, this is a learning opportunity for the Raptors. Um, and I, I, I really think that this team, the Raptors, will will prevail because – they just have the youth on their side. Now, one of the things that no one's talking about, again, well, it's two things that really no one's talking about. The Raptors, despite all of the things we're saying, the Raptors had a chance to win that game last night. They did. Okay. They had a chance. And the Raptors missed shots. It wasn't like the Warriors stopped them. The Raptors got up shots that could have easily have gone down. They had like four or five sh- like open looks that could have just gone down. Easily, like you know, a couple of those threes late in the game go down. It's it's a it's a they 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 win that game. And something happened last night to me, which is really intriguing coming into Game Three. They ran a box and one last night, which I applauded Nick Nurse and his staff for having the they courage to do. They ran a box and one on Clay and or on Steph. On Steph, they ran a box and one last night. And love it. That allowed them, again, defensively, allowed them to stick around in the game where they didn't play well at all. Okay. When you win and you're inexperienced and you're a young team, after game one, they were sitting at home and they were hearing how great they were. Oh, for two, three days, they 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 go out to dinner, everyone's telling them great, they're doing the interviews. Now they know they're in a fight. The, the Warriors brought the fight last last game, and you have to always match the energy of your opponent. I think this team have learned a valuable lesson. I think they know they can defend the Warriors, 
And now if they can cut down on their mistakes and defend with the discipline not to foul, this team has a, a significant advantage because of their age and their youth. The Warriors were a couple of possessions last game from this game getting out of hand. And I and I think if the unlike the Trailblazers, I think if the Raptors get up by 15 again or 12 or 15, they're not going to blow that opportunity. I think they they know that now they're not going to let them off the hook because they're going to have another opportunity because they are that good on the defensive end and they have things they can go to. Hmm. They have things they can go to. So I think it's going to be interesting, but you can't count the Warriors out. I, 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 the Warriors deserve all of the respect because, you know what, this team is battle-tested. They're, they're a great team. But I like the youth of Toronto, and I think they it, – it, it's tough, you know, because speed and quickness, there's nothing you really can do against speed and quickness, even though you have experience when that speed and quickness is – you know, they, they, they have focus. You know, I, the, the Raptors have focus right now, and I think they will learn. I think they'll learn on the fly, and I, and I think there's going to be a, a good series. I think Golden State, without Kevin Durant in Game 3, wins. I think Golden State, <clears throat> with Kevin Durant in Game 3, wins. I think it will be a, a tight game, but I, I think that boost they will have from Oracle – uh, will come through for them, and it's funny. I said Kawhi Leonard was quiet before. It shows how uh, how how reliant we are on him exploding every night. He was eight for twenty from the floor in uh, in game two, sixteen of sixteen at the line for thirty four points and fourteen rebounds. You, you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking of that as quiet. But obviously, when you go to the line that much, like we saw Curry do in game one, where he was fourteen of fourteen, it's obviously a lot quieter than loud drives and finishes and. Uh, half a dozen threes made. So you know the thing. Uh, you know, Eric, I have I have one thing I want to point out with watching Kawhi. You know, Kawhi gets thirty points, and we go, uh, he was okay. Okay. The thing about Kawhi, which lets me know that the Warriors know they have a tall task at hand, is Kawhi Leonard has not. I don't. I can't recall. Has he had a dunk in this series yet? Maybe one. Okay. Maybe. So the focus—that's a great call out, though. The focus, the focus, and detail that the Warriors are giving to this one player, okay, lets me know that they not only understand how good he is, they respect it. And mm-hmm. when, but this great player will figure it out. Like he will figure out something because that's why he's a great player. And once he figures that out. What will be the next adjustment that the Warriors can do? Because this kid now, and I say this kid, Kawhi Leonard is getting 30, 34 points a game, and he's not even playing well. And he will have a breakthrough game. He will have a breakthrough moment. It's one of the reasons why I love this chess match. So game three, Wednesday night. NBA Finals, Pure Hoops Podcast. BJ, appreciate you jumping on to start the week. Special thanks, as always, to Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops media team. You can catch us later this week as we'll be back coming out of Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Enjoy the week, everybody. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.